So this evening we continue our study and proclamation of the Gospel of Mark, and we arrive at the parable of the sower. Like many of Jesus' parables, uh, here is, I think, a, a somewhat curious parable because it's really the Word of God teaching us how people receive the Word of God. Uh, so if I can start with a somewhat more philosophical point, uh, what should we do with the parable of the sower when, uh, when it's the Word of God testifying to the Word of God? Uh, we could identify this as, uh, as a case of circular reasoning. God's Word claiming to be the Word of God with no other witness and, and no other greater authority. But it's the point at which we need to realize that there is no other way for God to speak. Uh, and the writer of Hebrews makes this exact point in Hebrews chapter 6 when he writes, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. So we could ask, what is God supposed to do? Uh, he is God. There is no higher authority. There is no one higher by whom he might swear to convince us to believe him. It's an imperfect analogy, but suppose uh, you knew that some people were in trouble. A, a fire uh, was raging, a, a storm was coming, an army was marching against uh, a city so that you began to spread the news and, and issue the warning. Any one of the people you warned might say, no, you, you are not telling the truth. There is no danger. I'm not going to flee. I don't need to take shelter. Of course, if you had a, a second witness along with you, the case might be better made to help them believe that the danger is certainly coming. Otherwise, what are you supposed to do? except offer your loan testimony to the current situation and the impending destruction. So that's where God is. His truth is His truth. Uh, he proclaims it to the world. But who will He look to to corroborate His truth? So that in the end, God's Word testifies to itself as God's Word, because there's no other way. Either believe it or don't, receive it or reject it. And another thing that God's Word makes clear about God's Word is that it will always take the Holy Spirit to bring a person to receive God's Word as God's Word. This is what our own standards say in the Westminster Larger Catechism, question and answer four which says, or which asks, how does it appear that the Scriptures are the Word of God? And the answer comes like this. The Scriptures manifest themselves to be the Word of God by their majesty and purity, by the consent of all the parts and the scope of the whole, which is to give all glory to God by their light and power to convince and convert sinners, to comfort and build up believers unto salvation... But the Spirit of God, bearing witness by and with 
the Scriptures in the heart of man is alone able fully to persuade that they are the very Word of God. So, on one hand, we could say, what can God do? He can only truthfully tell us the truth and testify to the truth of His own true truth. I thought that was pretty good. Let me say it again. (laughs) He can only truthfully tell us the truth and testify to the truth of His own true truth. But God does even more. He does even more because He's gracious. He not only tells the truth, He not only testifies to the truth of His truth, but He also grants His Spirit. That by His Spirit... He works faith in the hearts of those who would otherwise remain forever in unbelief. And I would venture to say that the question that arises in our hearts in hearing the parable of the sower is, what kind of ground am I? What kind of ground am I? Isn't it difficult for us not to personalize the parable of the sower as soon as we hear it. That's our conscience, hard at work, uh, and even the Holy Spirit prompting us into some self-reflection. But when Jesus summarizes the response that is made to his message, we are likely to ask, what kind of ground am I? Is, uh, if this hasn't been our response, then let's make it our re- response tonight. Uh, And if it is quite naturally our response to ask, what kind of ground am I? Then let's answer the question and seek to receive God's word all the more willingly and eagerly. Of all the responses that are made to God's word, Jesus summarizes them in four categories within this parable. And I don't think it is uh, any different today. Even as Christ proclaims his message through the church today, whenever the word is preached, there are four possible responses. The first can be compared to seed sown along the path. The path is hard. It's packed down hard by many passing feet. The ground has not been tilled it's not been dug up and loosened uh, and has uh, and has not been fertilized Uh, the ground has not been prepared to receive the word and and so the word of god sits upon the surface of the ground where the birds can easily come along and eat it up taking it away the word doesn't even have time to germinate Uh, nor further to send down root and to grow and produce a crop. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then this description does not apply to you. Uh, The Word of God has taken root in your mind and in your heart. You have been prepared throughout your life to receive the Word, and uh, you have indeed received it well. Uh, at least well enough that you are now a professing believer in Jesus Christ. But it is here that I should take opportunity to address those who are not believers in Christ. 
those who have never received the message of Christ in any kind of thoughtful and meaningful way. Maybe you have been unprepared in any kind of thoughtful and meaningful way. Maybe you have, uh, 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 maybe you do not see uh, the need for Christ to save you from your sin. It may be that God must yet show you your sin and convince you of his coming judgment. Maybe you have been unprepared in that you do not see the severity of his coming judgment, figuring that God will overlook so much of your life and, and weigh your good against your bad, as if, as if even that would save you. It may be that God must show you the danger of facing his judgment without Christ. Maybe you have been unprepared in that you do not see that Christ could possibly save you. Uh, It may be that God must show you the sufficiency of Christ indeed to save you uh, and to show you the glory of Christ as your Savior. Whatever the nature of your unpreparedness, if this is you, I I, I pray and, and I urge you that you would consider the Word of God as the evil one snatches it away from your mind and heart, take it up once again. Allow yourself no rest until you get this matter straight in mind and, and in heart. Seek understanding from God. Tremble before him lest you continue on your present course. Some people make a, a great sacrifice and travel around the world looking for truth. In this country, truth is right before our eyes in the form of God's Word, and it is proclaimed so clearly in many churches throughout our land. So resolve today to begin a journey to seek the knowledge and the understanding of Jesus Christ. The second response to the message of Christ can be compared to the seed sown on rocky ground. Much like the path, the rocky ground has not been prepared either. It has not been tilled nor fertilized. The farmer has gone around it exactly because it is rocky ground. He Maybe he doesn't want to damage his equipment and he doesn't have the time to clear away the rocks. Maybe next year, he says, But here the seed falls between the rocks where it cannot be snatched away so easily by the birds. So the seed remains and it does manage to sprout and begin to grow. In the explanation that Jesus gives to his parable, Jesus says in verse 16, Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. And so this description might very well apply to the one who at least confesses Christ, perhaps uh, to some of us even uh, gathered here today, uh, this might apply. The the word of God has been received. There is joy in receiving it. The, The problem is the lack of roots. Jesus continues in verse 17, but since they have no root, 
They last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word. They quickly fall away. It may bring to mind the the disciples uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested. Every last disciple of Jesus fled into the night as Jesus was bound and, and led away. Uh, we remember so well, of course, the denial of uh, the threefold denial of Peter. But what we may forget is that all of the disciples denied him through their desertion. And uh, this part of the parable raises the same question for us as, as that story raises. Will I stand with Christ come what may? The question is uh, made even more forceful when we consider how little persecution we really have to endure in our day and, and in our country. We, we don't know the persecution that the church has had to endure and is having to endure uh, throughout the world uh, even today. In fact, we might even refuse to you know, to admit or to acknowledge uh, or to let ourselves think about the fact that God might allow us one day to suffer as other Christians suffer throughout the world. And uh, we may be even be able to think back to times when we have been challenged in our faith and have failed even under, under the least the, or the lesser forms of persecution. Uh, we have failed to do what is right at work rather than risk losing our job. We have failed to speak out when someone spoke blasphemously of our Lord in order to preserve our reputation and our social standing. Uh, we have failed to, uh, to help the poor in order to have more in the bank and even more possessions for ourselves. Jesus says that it's trouble and persecution that causes the seed sown on rocky places to fade and die. So what we need to do is to send down our roots. Or rather, to keep with the analogy of the parable, we need God's Word to take greater root in us. We need to get it inside of us. We need to know what it says, why it says it, and how to respond rightly to it. We need to understand God's will for our lives, not assuming that we can automatically discern right from wrong without the Word of God dwelling within us. We need to keep knowing Christ more deeply. Is it your desire to grow in the knowledge of the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ? And that will mean needing to know Christ Himself more fully. But one of the best means of such rootedness uh, is surely prayer. Uh, we, we tend to pray for many things, things that are not wrong to pray for, but uh, we perhaps neglect to pray that God's Word would take root in our minds and hearts. Uh, the psalmist prays in this way in Psalm 119. Uh, he writes, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Let me understand the teaching of your precepts. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then I will keep them to the end. And in Psalm 143, the 
psalmist writes in, in this way, Show me your way, O Lord. Um, show me the way I should go. For to you I lift up my soul. Teach me. How often do we pray that God would teach us? We pray it, I think, somewhat regularly at the be- at the, before we hear a sermon. But do we pray it on our own? Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. The third response to the message of Jesus can be compared to the seed sown among the thorns. Here the the ground is uh, somewhat different, but the result is the same. Here it's not trouble and persecution that cause the word to fail, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things, says our Lord. So while a life of trouble and persecution can cause the seed to fail, so can a life of worldliness and and ease. A comfortable life can be a very dangerous thing. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples after he met with the, the rich young ruler. Do you remember his words? He said, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man. And I think he means a comfortable man, a man at ease in life to enter the the kingdom of God. Why is this true? Why are worries and wealth such a hazard to the perseverance of God's word in our lives? I think the answer is that in material possession and wealth, a person fails to see the, the consequence of sin until it is too late. The suffering of our lives carries with it a blessing. Think about that. The suffering of our lives can make us cry out to God in in the immediate moment. It humbles us and turns our thoughts to eternal things and not to the things of this world. And so the, the greater our level of ease in life, if you think about it, the more stuff that we have to enjoy in this life the less likely we are to see our, our need for a Savior and to find that Savior in Jesus Christ. Again, let us pray. Uh, let us seek not to be ensnared by wealth and, and ease any more than we are turned aside by trouble and persecution. Proverbs 30, verse 8, records this wonderful prayer. It says, Uh, Give me neither poverty nor riches, um, but give me only my daily bread. Uh, Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So let us pray that God would, would root his word in our minds and hearts that in times of trouble, as well as ease, we might remember our need of God's provision for us in Jesus Christ. Lastly, the fourth response to the message of Jesus can be compared to the seed sown on good soil. This ground has been well prepared, thus the seed is well received. 
It is received with true understanding. Verse 20 says, Others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word and accept it. Such people have been convicted of their sin and shown their need for a Savior. Their physical needs have been satisfied to the point where they can consider eternal things. But their eyes have been turned away, torn away, even from the world, and they, and they see Christ with true understanding and in true faith. And the result in the conclusion of verse 20 is that they produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. God's Word not only takes root in their life, but God's Word grows and produces more seed. From one person, others hear the message of Jesus and others have opportunity to respond. Some will be like the path. Others like rocky places, still others like thorny ground. But some will, again, be good soil, well prepared by God, receiving the word and growing in faith. I don't know that we can resolve to be one type of ground or another. What we can do is pray. What we can do is be cautious in trouble and persecution on one hand and wealth and ease on the other. What we can do is seek the continual sowing of God's Word in our minds and hearts. We can study it. We can memorize it. We can keep ourselves in the Word, that the Word might remain in us, dwelling in us richly. As the Apostle Paul says, and as we heard this morning from Colossians 3, we can read the Word, we can sing the Word, we can listen to the Word preached and explained, we can meditate upon the Word day and night, as God's Word calls, it, calls us to do. And not just the law of God, it's not just the law of God that prompts our obedience, but it's the promises of God. Back to this morning in you know, Romans 12, it's the promises of God that should prompt our, our faithfulness and our, our grateful response to God in all that we do, especially perhaps as we hear his command, his call for us to be much, to be much in his word. He has saved us in Christ. May he keep us in Christ to the end. Let's pray that right now. Father in heaven, we thank you that for a second time in this day, we can hear a, a very clear call from your word to be in your word. And we do pray that we will do so and that uh, a great blessing will be ours, that not only will we have faith, but we will persevere in faith and we will grow in faith. And always remember that by faith we have Christ and all that he has achieved for us. So grant your word with power. Make us to be that uh, fertile soil, and uh, grant, O oh Lord, that we would indeed be uh, lovers of Christ and, uh, and lovers of your word. We ask in Jesus' name.
Amen.